Welcome to Twice Born Podcast. I'm Mike Bailey. If you haven't already, please go to the website twiceborn.net and also you can see videos on YouTube and Facebook. And if you would like to reach out, please email twicebornministry at gmail.com. Enjoy. The series is called War of the Worlds because we're told that we're to put on the full armor of God that we have been given tools by our creator that are to keep us safe and to help us to move forward in, in the mission and the, uh, the calling that God has played upon our lives. And to put that armor on, it's, it's a protection that comes from, it doesn't come from within, it comes from without. It's not something that I will power. It's not my self-righteousness. It's not my self-ability. It is trusting in God and putting on something. It's, it's taking something God has for me and applying it to my life. And as we went through this, we started with uh, the fact that there's, a, there's really a new religion that's being shared throughout our country, and, and it really has its basis in the enemy and, and the views of the enemy. And, and we talked about the importance of knowing the difference between Christianity, Bible-believing, Christ-centered Christianity versus critical theory, and that we're not trying to be woke. We're, we're really trying to be twice born. We don't think you go to church. We don't think you get right and go to church. We think you go to church, and then God gets you right that the Holy Spirit does the work and that we're spiritually dead until we're made alive in Christ. And that it's not an issue of, of bad behavior becoming good behavior. It's about spiritually dead people becoming spiritually alive. Uh, we talked about truth and righteousness, that we live the right way so we can point others to the right way. That when we put the breastplate of righteousness on and the belt of truth, not only does it protect us, it helps us to point others to true protection. Uh, last week, we talked about faith and peace. If you have no Jesus, you have no peace. But if you know Jesus, then you actually know peace. And so we're called to have that peace in our life. We want to have the peace of Christ that only he can give us. And so today, we're going to talk about hope and power. Hope and power. And so as I was thinking about hope and power and, and his helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. I thought about a helmet I once wore uh, in high school and then a little bit in college. Uh, some of you know what this helmet is used for. It is a football helmet. And uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, I, I was able to be on the varsity football team. And they let me in in the fourth quarter. And uh, I, got, I was a running back, so I got a handoff. And the all-state defensive end, it's the really big guy, uh, for some reason they decided not to block him when I got the ball. <laughs> and uh, as you can see, I'm a very big man, so it's hard to take me down, actually not. Uh, he picked me up, and he drove me into the ground, and as I went backwards, my head with the helmet hit against the ground, and actually what I was told later is there's a gelatin around your brain, and if you... Uh, shake it around too much, it can be bruised, or there can be issues there, and it causes a, what we call a concussion, and so I had a concussion. And uh, I was told later, I don't remember any of this, uh, on the way to the hospital, I, I said, Mom, did we win the game? And she said, Son, we left before the end of the game, we don't know. And 30 seconds later, Mom, did we win the game? And my mom was very fearful that for the rest of my life, I was going to say, Mom, did we win the game? <laughs> So I wake up Saturday morning, and I have this pounding headache, but I'm like, I got to get up. I got to go to school. I got a game tonight. And uh, I went out, and my dad said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm getting ready. There's a game tonight. He says, it's Saturday. I said, what? He said, look at your wrist. Looked at my wrist. There was a hospital wristband on my wrist. I had totally blacked out for the whole Friday that that even happened. 
And you know I look back in my life. There's two times that this has happened where I had a concussion that I forget a day. And then I had a concussion later when I was in my 20s that I forgot who I was for a little while. And it took the entire day for my brain to catch up to who I was. Both of those instances first helped me to realize how delicate my brain is. But it really scared me. It scared me. Because I, it was the first time in my life that I really realized the edge of life can be so clear, can be so close, that, that at any moment this whole thing can be taken from you, and how little control any of us really have. And just even with my mind and my thoughts and my brain, how delicate and how, how just these movements can have such an impact on the rest of your life. And it just so happened that this, the, the year that this happened, that summer we went to camp and and a speaker was talking about pretending to be a Christian when you're not really a Christian. And I can remember the Holy Spirit of God speaking into my soul and convicting me of sin and saying, Mike, you've ne- you need to make a decision. Will you repent and follow me or will you continue on your own path? And I think that God used that concussion um, to really open my eyes to my need for Christ. And, you know, if you look at this helmet, this is from uh, a Bills player in the 90s. They stopped doing this. There's a thing over top of it that's like a little mesh. It's a, it's a foam that they used to put on your helmet. They wouldn't let me play again except if I put this on. It's called a pro cap. And you put it on top of your helmet so it's supposed to keep you from getting concussions. But all it did for me is I turned into a torpedo with it. And uh, I'm already a small guy. If you notice, I'm a small guy with a fairly large head. Um, when you put this on, it makes it even bigger. So they made fun of me. They called me Marvin the Martian because I look like... So it was humbling, right? It was a humbling experience for me in life. But the helmet of salvation, hope. You know, it really took me to that place where I had to think about what is my real hope? Am I going to be a professional football player? Is money my hope? Is fame my hope? Is security my hope? Is popularity my hope? These are the tough questions that we have to honestly struggle with. And then is this this hope built on what power? What power is, is leading me to my hope? What authority? What power? So what is your hope this morning? Why do you have hope? And in your hope, how do you find the power generated that's needed for that hope? These are really important questions. And you know, right now, many people that you have regular contact with, that you interact with, that you talk to, and maybe even you today, it'd be very difficult for you to settle on an answer of what your hope is, really. And what powers that hope? What gives life to that hope? And that's what I want to ask God. I want him to reveal it through his word. And so now as we come to the place where we, we open his word and ask him to speak to us, let's precede it with prayer. Father God, we thank you that you are holy and just, that there are no surprises for you, that, that you are aware of everything about us and you love us and care for us. Um, but, Lord, that you've given us the opportunity to seek after you as you seek after us. And, Lord, I pray that, that you would help us this morning to understand what these, what these verses mean, how we can apply them, um, the truth that lies within them. And, Lord, just help us to be aware of your presence, to be aware that, that, that with you we have true hope, and to really internalize that 
and then um, making that stable within our hearts and our minds that we would then live that, that our decision-making and our processes in life would reflect that. And so we need your help, Lord. I ask for your help for me personally, for us. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment. Help us to understand um, the teachings of your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. As we finalize this series and we see that this is the armor of God, this is the armor he gives us, we find this in a couple of places, but mainly here in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, we're going to look at verses 10 through 17 as we see the what and the why of the armor of God. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil within the heavenly realms. Verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And today we finish up as we look at verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. Now, a few important things to recognize about the helmet. Uh, Paul is in prison at this time. He's looking at these soldiers. Uh, God has inspired him in a creative way to relate these equipment, these tools that God gives us to the tools that the Roman soldiers have. And he looks at the helmet and his, the Holy Spirit inclines him to see salvation, the truth of salvation, that the helmet guards your thoughts it guides, it guards your, your brain, which is the center point of the rest of your body. And one of the interesting things to note is that if you wore a Roman soldier's helmet, when you showed up, it meant something. It was hard, impossible even, to not recognize if someone had a Roman soldier's helmet on. And I think for us this morning, if you're a believer in Christ, when you show up, do people recognize it and who you are? Do they see you wearing the helmet of salvation? If you're not a believer today, if you're just investigating, have you ever noticed in someone's life a difference because they claim Christ? Because they claim to believe that they have been saved by grace through faith in Christ. The helmet of salvation, it protects our thoughts. It protects those things that we absorb and those things that we say but it also declares something about who we are. It declares something about what we believe. Are your thoughts protected today? You know, mental health is one of the major challenges of our nation, especially through COVID. Um, depression and suicide are, are on the incline, are on the increase. There are attacks to our brains, and if we are to believe, and I know this to be true, all of us struggle when it comes to those doubts, those attacking thoughts, you're not worth it. This is going to happen. Everything's going to fall apart. The country's going to fall apart. Your family's going to fall apart. Your finances are going to fall apart. We are bombarded in our minds with attacks from the enemy on a regular basis. 
And we, not, we need not pretend that somehow we are above the fray and that we don't have these issues in our own minds. And so we are given a tool to combat something that we all struggle with, we all deal with. And so there is definitely um, something there that we need to recognize. And then at the end of the verse it says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so we're told to put the helmet on and pick up the sword. The sword being the only offensive weapon given. All the other are defensive tools. This is an offensive weapon. And so we need to recognize this. And this morning, my question to you would be this. Do you know how to use this sword? Are you trained and equipped in using the sword of the Spirit? Do you know how to use it in your own life? Do you know how to apply it to your life? Are you practicing uh, your ability with this on a daily basis? Are you growing in your knowledge and ability to use the sword of the Spirit? So this leads me to some problems, some challenges, some tension that I think we all need to recognize. Ephesians 2.12 says this, Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel and in foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. You know, I look back at my experience and I look back to those, that, that time in my life when I was a teenager and I recognized that I was lost. And I may not have not admitted to you that I was hopeless, but in reality I was. There was a time in my life that I was separated from God by my sin. I was committed to my sin and it dictated my life. And I am told in scripture, I'm told through God's word, through the New Testament, through what Christ teaches us, that all of us were lost at one point. You know, there's an, the enemy tells us this lie, and this is why we need this armor, and this is why we need to talk about this. The enemy tells you, well, if your parents are Christians, you're a Christian. If your culture is Christian, then you're a Christian. If you were raised in a place that talked about Jesus and talked about the gospel, then you're okay, you're saved. But there's no place in Scripture where Jesus says that. In actuality, Jesus says there will be times when you being a follower of Christ will bring division in your family because it's so extreme. To be a follower of me is such an extreme thing that it's not something you inherit from your family. It's not something given down through the genetic pool. It's not something you are given as a gift from your parents. It's something that you must claim for yourself. And this morning, has there been a moment in your life when you realized you were lost and you received the gift of salvation? Is there a time in your life when you recognized that you were uh, unable to be right before God, so you repented of your sin and you confessed it and you believed? I truly believe if you were never hopeless, you were never saved. If you were never hopeless, you were never saved. And I hope that shakes us a little. And I hope that makes us a little uneasy. Because that's the extent of what we talk about every single Sunday. This is not, hey, get a little bit better. Uh, work out the kinks in your marriage. Learn how to be a more truthful person. Learn how to be a nicer person. Learn how to be a kinder person. Those things are wonderful, and the Holy Spirit will do that in your life. But that's not really what we're talking about on a Sunday-to-Sunday -Sunday basis. We're talking about the gospel that is a life transformation from death to life. I'm spiritually dead. I am now spiritually alive. I was absolutely hopeless I was completely hopeless. There was no hope. And now there is complete hope. There is complete assurance. I have written you this that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you hope that it may happen, that if I'm pretty good, if my good deeds, no, that I may know that I have eternal life. And so we have to recognize that there's a distinction 
between my family or even my knowledge, this is a personal commitment and a receiving of a gift. This is a confession and a belief. Has that happened in your life? Because if it isn't, hasn't happened, it is impossible to put the helmet of salvation on. The helmet of salvation is built in the principle that is outside of you. Christ's death, burial, resurrection is what saves you. And you put that knowledge on every single day. The next problem we find in Matthew 22, and this is something I'm convicted of and, and maybe you're convicted of, Matthew twenty two twenty nine. 29, Jesus replied, he's talking to the Pharisees, they're trying to get a loophole, they're trying to uh, confuse him and try to trap him in, in this idea of who you're supposed to marry if your spouse dies and what are you supposed to do in that culture. They're trying to trap him. And here's his reply. You're in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. You do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Now, I am in the place of the Pharisee today. I'm the religious leader that claims to be declaring the words of God to you. And so to me, that is a very high um, and very humbling, yet also I need to look at that myself and make sure that what I'm doing is truthful, what I'm doing is accurate. And so when I come to this, I say, um, do I know God's word? And do I know the power of God? Do you know the power of God's word? Do you know it? Do you know the scriptures? And I think it comes down to this. How much effort do we put in knowing the scriptures? How much effort, how much effort do I put into knowing the scriptures? Now, I have a profession where I get the fortunate opportunity to study God's word every single week. Because if I get up here and don't know it, you're going to know it. <laughs> but if I just do it for a job, then I have lost all of its value. This is food for my spiritual flesh. This is something of nourishment that you need and I need. And at some point, Paul says, stop waiting for the milk to be fed to you. You can start feeding yourself. How much? So I know, how much time do I put towards entertainment in my life? How much time am I intentional about um, pursuing my goals and the things that make me look good? How much time do I, I put in my life about pursuing things that are completely self-centered? How much of my life am I intentional about pursuing my own power and my own authority and my own ways? And how much do I put to pursuing Scripture and God's power? These, this is some tension, right? There's some tension here. That's why I believe God gave us these tools. That's why Paul wrote these things for us, that we could resolve this tension and we could live victorious lives. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 through 11 begins to give us the answers to these questions. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So now Paul is, is even taking it a step further and he's saying it's the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. The hope of salvation. You know, I look at Scripture, and I see it all through Scripture, the hope of salvation, the hope of salvation. Even before Christ, there was the hope of salvation. Um, Noah spent a good portion of his life building an ark when it had never rained with the hope of salvation. 
He got on a boat before the rain with a hope of salvation. Abraham left Ur, which was the most convenient place to live in his time. It was a metropolis. They had everything there that he could ever want, and God called him out of there to go to a place he did not know, and he did it in faith because he believed, and his hope was in the salvation that God would bring to him and his family. We look at Moses returning, trusting God. We look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stand in the midst of Nebuchadnezzar and say, whether it is God's will for us to die in these flames or not, we trust him and our salvation is in him. Daniel in the lion's den, looking to the Lord in the midst of the struggle that that they caught him praying, disobeying the law, and yet he looked to the salvation of God. Joseph, who was sold by his brothers into slavery in front of Potiphar's wife, who tries to seduce him, says, how could I do this, dishonoring my master and sinning against God? Because my hope is in the salvation, it is not in myself. Job, <laughs> in one day, loses all of his children. They're killed, loses all of his wealth, and then he gets a disease. And what happens? His wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? What if his friends say, uh, what, you must have done some really bad sin for all this to happen to you. And yet if you read Job's response, he says, I know that God is just, and I have done nothing for this, but I will trust him because he is my salvation. Paul says to live is Christ, but to die is gain. The helmet of salvation is the helmet that you put on when you find out, "Uh uh-oh, I got the diagnosis I didn't want. Uh Uh-oh, the financial challenge just came my way. Uh Uh-oh, I have to deal with some relationship problems today. I put on the helmet of salvation because I recognize that all things will be made right, that God is just. He has saved me from this this sinful world and from my own sin. You want to know how to deal with life? You want to know how to deal with the challenges that you will face and have faced and we all face? Put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the thoughts of God. Because when you put on the helmet of salvation, you're reminded that there is a just God. And he's just because he will judge sin. But he is a gracious God as well. Because he made a way for salvation through faith in him. The lens, the protection, if you filter everything that happens to you in life through that, you will be victorious. You will have peace. You will have hope. It's amazing, this verse, it reveals so much to us. This passage, it says that we were not created for his wrath, but his wrath is true. We were created to be in relationship where we're one with him at all times. You know, it's interesting that many of the soldiers would sleep with their shoes on, and many of them sometimes even with their helmet on, because you never knew when the enemy was going to show up. And usually he shows up when you're asleep. And Jesus says, here, I'm with you, whether you're awake or you're asleep, that helmet will protect you at all times. I need his protection. I need my thoughts to be his thoughts. I need that protection. I believe we all do. Hebrews 4, 12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged, double-edged sword. It penetrates even and divides the soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. 
And so I have the helmet of salvation. I'm to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What does the Word of God do? Well, first, it protects me as I battle. It protects me. It helps me to understand who I am. And it helps me to understand what I am to be. It, under, it helps me to understand where I'm going. I need that protection to fight back against the enemy. And so the sword protects me. But then you know what else the sword does? And this is so, for me, it was so exciting to think about this. It was so exciting to think about the fact that I can go into the battle and help the captive be released. There are people in my life, there are people in your life that are captive to sin. They are chained down by their sin. They are completely enslaved to a liar. And God has given you a tool, his words, only his words, that will break those chains. And you get to be a hero because when I'm like Christ, he was the ultimate hero and he wants little heroes to go into their world with that sword of the spirit. And what do heroes do? They save other people. You know what is not a hero? Someone who only wants to save themselves. That's the difference. The difference between being a hero and not being a hero is am I trying to save everybody else or am I just trying to save me? And here's what it's saying. I can take the sword of the Spirit and I can share it with a 5-year-old, a 50-year-old, or a 100-year-old, and it will pierce their heart. It is more powerful than any weapon. Weapons bring death, and death is easy to produce. God's Spirit and His sword brings life, and it is the most powerful thing that you can bring is life. And he's given you this sword. And this sword will penetrate their thoughts. It will convict of sin. It will bring to repentance. Repentance will bring to healing and salvation. And then to perseverance and hope. And a life fulfilled because they know who they are. They know whose they are. And they know where they're going. The sword of the Spirit. Do you know how to use the sword? You know, one thing I've learned in sports, you only get better if you practice. You can be good naturally, but there is definitely a ceiling on that. It's when you practice. It's when you intentionally take time to get better at what you're doing. We've been given a tool, the sword of the Spirit. Is there anything more powerful in your life than God's word? Is there anything more powerful, a tool you can use that's more powerful than the word of God? Do you know right now, you could go to your phone and you can see just about every translation of the Bible. You can see uh, hundreds of commentaries on every book in the Bible. Do you realize how fortunate we are at this very moment? There's never been a time like this. If you go back and study the pilgrims as we celebrate Thanksgiving, you recognize that they left England because they refused to give Bibles in English. It was, it was a treasure to have a Bible. It was a treasure to be able to read God's word in your own language. It was worth dying for to have that tool, to have that weapon. We have it in abundance. It's all around us. It's saturated. We have no excuse to whom much is given, much is required, how much is required of us. You know, I think about the greatest tragedy. What is the greatest tragedy in human history? What is the greatest tragedy for all of us? The greatest tragedy is the lost. 
The greatest tragedy is that, that people are going to die and be separated from God in hell forever. That is absolutely the greatest tragedy. You know why it's such a great tragedy? Because they don't have to. So the second greatest tragedy to me, the first greatest is that there's people that are lost. The second greatest tragedy is that there are, there's armor that will not be used. That we have armor that we will not put on it is an absolute tragedy. That God has given us armor, given us the tools for the battle, and they just sit getting dusty and unused. You see, the world, the world needs the power of God in it. The world needs people who have the full armor of God going into the battles, declaring the truth in love, fighting not against political ideals, not against social constructs, but against principalities and powers that are divinely given, that we are fighting against an unseen enemy that is a spiritual battle. And this is the battle that was waged at the very beginning and still wages now. And the victory's already won. But there still be casualties. And this morning, for, for us to be heroes, for us to be truly in the image of our Lord, we are to go and with the full armor of God, with the, the helmet of salvation, with the sword of the Spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sandals of the gospel of the peace, that we are to go and, and together fight this battle. Set the captives free. Bring the gospel to the whole world. Are we committed to that today? How do we do this? If we're to live this out, how am I to apply this to my life? I believe first, live out Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. The patterns of this world are self-centered. If you find yourself living a self-centered life, you have conformed to the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You renew your mind. You set your mind straight by the words of God, by committing time into studying his word. And not just reading it on the surface, but diving very deep and asking God to reveal his deep truth. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Would you commit every day of your life to renewing your mind? Not conforming to what the world says, but to what God says. And then 2 Timothy 2.5, live out this. Do your best. Do you know when you die, you're not going to be judged against me. You're not going to be judged against the person next to you. You're going to stand before your creator and he's going to say, what did you do with my son? And what did you do with the life that I gave you? And here's what he wants us to be able to say, that I did my best to present myself to you as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who can correctly handle the word of truth. Can you correctly handle the word of truth or do you rely on a professional Christian to do it for you? You need to handle it for yourself because guess what? There are people that need to be saved that only God has given you the mission to speak into their lives. They would never come into this room and listen to me ever, ever, ever. But they'll listen to you. They'll listen to you. They'll watch you. And they'll listen to you. We've got to be on mission. We've got to see the world the way God sees it. 
And this morning, as, as we talk about these things and this struggle that's around us, my encouragement to you is we're not to do this alone. We're not to do this alone, and we're to encourage each other. Let's put on the armor today. Let's make sure we have the armor on today. Hey, how's it going putting the armor on? Are you wearing it? Are you using it? Are we wearing it? Are we using it as a church? To do that, we have to be twice born. Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Before you can put armor on, you have to be actually alive to be a soldier in the army. And so have you done that? Have you confessed your sin? Have you believed in Christ as your Savior? If you haven't, today is the day. Don't wait any longer. You're not here by chance. God speaks to us at certain places in our life. And he says, will you follow? Will you follow? Will you believe? The verse in the, in the chapter in Ephesians doesn't end there. And we're going to end this, the message with the end of the passage. Ephesians 6.18. Here's what Paul says after he says, put on this full armor and take up the sword. Verse 18 says, and pray in the spirit on all occasion with all kinds of prayer, prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for who? The Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. <laughs>